What's up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. I am your host, Hayden Vozar. I have here with me Matt Vozar, who is your co-host. And we have a lot of college football today. It's a very juicy day in college football world. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the college football coaches and the coaching carousel that has kind of taken place. It already took place, but it's kind of solving itself right now. And so that's exciting to see. So we're going to be talking about that and kind of just some bigger issues like we usually do with the college coaches and kind of how college coaching works with money and coaches being fired really early in their careers and everything. And we're just going to talk about our opinions on that. And so, as you guys know, it's a Saturday episode and we are a little bit more laid back. So it'll be more of probably more of a slower episode and, you know, we'll, we'll be kind of going on a couple tangents maybe here and there, but yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy it and make sure to stay tuned for our, for most of our talk because we will be getting into a lot of interesting stuff. Matt, I'm going to turn it over to you. How are you, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited for this big day of college football. It's, it's conference championship day. Uh, we had two conference championships last night already uh, and we're recording this during the Oklahoma State and Baylor game, and then before the Alabama-Georgia game. So still a lot to get figured out here uh, and and kind of, you know, with the games to to come today. Um, And it's looking really interesting so far. I mean, you know, as we stand, it it looks like Baylor's going to beat Oklahoma State, which is basically like the worst case. Well, no, I say best case scenario for um, teams that, you know, I mean, Oklahoma State, I feel like is a team that you wouldn't expect to get in anyway, but um, but yeah, it's going to cause some craziness because now essentially with Oklahoma State losing, regardless of whether or not Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship, Cincinnati will pretty much be in. I, th- I think that they're 100 percent in as long as as long as Baylor holds this lead over Oklahoma State. But then it becomes, you know, right. If Georgia beats Alabama, then you have to have your fourth team. Is it Notre Dame? But they just haven't really done anything. And then if Alabama beats Georgia, does Alabama deserve to be in over Notre Dame as a one loss SEC champion? Uh, You know, despite the fact that Notre Dame also, you know, lost one game and and they've looked good. So going to be really interesting to see how this all turns out. And obviously we will know uh, less than 24 hours from now as we're recording this, what the top four teams are. Um, And so that we will save for a lot of that talk. We will save for the episode uh, on, on Tuesday night. Um, to kind of, you know, preview those games and, and give our thoughts on what we think the rankings are. But this episode, we definitely wanted to get into more of the college football coaching, uh, you know, carousel that's going on right now, especially because two weeks ago, our kind of our first Saturday episode was was going over the coaching carousel as it stood in terms of, you know, how, you know, Coach O had been fired at LSU um, and, and you know, Clay Helton had, had been fired at USC. And so we were kind of thinking, you know, what what can come of this? And so it's so funny that, you know, two weeks later, we we have all our answers pretty much. Um, and so we're kind of going to give our get our thoughts on on those. And, and like Hayden said, a little bit more general about the world of college football coaching in general. Yeah, so just getting right into it here, we're going to start out with obviously a breakdown of the jobs that have been filled, the big jobs that have been filled in college football. We've got the two big dogs. We've got USC and LSU were filled. Lincoln Riley obviously went to LSU. I mean, went to USC, my bad. And then Brian Kelly went to LSU. And then we got we got a Dan Mullen firing, which was after our first Saturday episode, which was, which like Matt said, was on the kind of the, the state of the coaching carousel as it was. And so Dan Mullen got fired. It was, it was short after that episode. I'm pretty sure it was like, it was like a day or two after. after. Yeah. I think, yeah, it was the day after that episode, which was, it was kind of a bummer for us. Cause you know, I'm pretty sure I texted Matt or something like that. And, and, kind of just said, you know, dang, we missed this one, but it's, you know, it's fine. Good thing we get to talk about it now. So we got a firing and a hiring there, both in the span of, of the two weeks or so that we've had in between, uh, in between these two episodes. And so Billy Napier is going from Louisiana Lafayette to Florida, but Billy Napier is coaching in the game today that they have against Appalachian state. Um, which is at three thirty, which is pretty interesting. And then he'll also have a bowl game. They're also, they're always bowl contenders and yeah. And then we've got 
Virginia Tech, they they fired Justin Fuente, like we said, and Matt will probably get into a, a potential spot for them um, for their head coaching job. And then we've got news that James Franklin is staying at Penn State. And we've got news that Mel Tucker is also staying at Michigan State. And I think we had some talk about James Franklin at Penn State. He was he was one of those guys that we talked about having a very bad record against ranked teams, just like Jim Harbaugh. And last week we had Jim Harbaugh prove something to us as well. And we'll get into that too. But just to, again, go back to, to the, to the big dogs that got their, their jobs filled. We've got Lincoln Riley at USC. And I think we saw that Oklahoma was um, they were, they were like vandalizing their own school. Basically they were, I don't know. They were, they were spray painting stuff on, on the school. Like, you know, you or traitor. It was, it was traitor. I think they were, they were spray painting the word traitor on, I don't know. Maybe it was like stuff honoring Lincoln Riley for whatever, but yeah, the, I mean, the school was mad. I would be mad about it too, dude. Lincoln Riley is one of the best coaches in college football right now. And USC is, is one of those teams. That's just like, you know, they, they've had this legacy and they, they used to be so good. It's kind of like the whole Miami situation where like they used to be so, so good and it's so dominant. And now that they're kind of just mid tier, like they're not, if that, you know, a lot of seasons, like they don't even really, they don't even really do much. And we never hear of them in the PAC 12 anymore. Like you, when's the last time Penn state really played in the PAC 12? I mean, yeah. in the PAC 12 championship, like it's, it may have been Penn recently. State wouldn't play in the Pac-12 championship because they're in the Big 12. They're in the Big 10, but I know what you're saying. I think it was almost like 10 years ago at this point, the last time USC played in the Pac-12 championship. Wait, what? Oh, my, my bad. Not not Penn State. Dude, I'm sorry. Sorry. USC. <laughs> USC. Yeah, sorry. Um, and so, yeah, basically, right. They haven't been good recently. And Lincoln Riley's kind of their saving grace here. And I don't, you know, Lincoln Riley's a really good coach who's going to bring in a lot of a lot of recruits but i don't know if it's going to work out as well as it has at oklahoma everybody's saying like okay well usc is automatically a playoff contender now that's not very true it you know we'll have to see but again like i don't want to i don't want to keep i don't want to start naming all these you know all these feats that look lincoln riley is going to bring to usc just yet because again he hasn't coached it down there yet and it's a, it's a whole new program he's going to get good recruits but who knows if those recruits are going to fit well at the school because it's it still is a different atmosphere it's a different environment whatever so I'll, I'll probably give it over to matt here um to talk about lincoln riley and, and some other coaches if he wants yeah i i am i am in much disagreement with you in the fact that Lincoln Riley won't be able to turn USC into a powerhouse very quickly here. I think he's going to be able to do it in, in, in probably two or three years. If he can get everything kind of, kind of on the right side, obviously, right. Being California, you have a lot of other distractions. There's a lot of, you know, there's it's LA, right. It's famous people. It's whatever, but the amount of resources and the amount of football players that are coming out of that state that have been going to other schools, namely Oklahoma for the last, like basically 10 years, ever since USC, you know, was, was really good. Um, he will be able to put up a fence around the state of California, just because of the name that he has and then and, and the pool that he has. I mean, you think about it, um, the, the number one quarterback recruit um, who, from like the 2023 class, he was committed to Oklahoma, right? And, and then there was another, there's a five-star running back committed to Oklahoma. I think, you know, two four-star wide receivers committed to Oklahoma and they were all coming from the, the quarterback, the five-star quarterback was even from California. And they've all in like a week's long span since Lincoln Riley was named the, the head coach of USC. They've all flipped their commitment from Oklahoma to USC. So we've already seen so much movement in, in the, in, in the space so far. And, and you think about right now, right? Like the, probably the two best quarterback, the two quarterbacks that are going to be basically fighting for the Heisman this year, CJ Stroud at Ohio state, and then Bryce young at Alabama. Where are they both from? They're both from California. Like it is such a big talent state because you think about it, like basically all the, you know, all the famous people, all the famous athletes, like where are you going to move when you're older and want to retire? You're going to move to California and then your kids are going to be great. Um, and, and that's where it is. And so that's why it's such a big talent pool. That's why it's such an important job, because if you can just basically you know, guarantee some good recruiting in that state. Like you will be, your team will be so good 
automatically. And so I think what we've learned about USC over the past few years is that they've still been able to recruit the skill positions well, right? We see cornerbacks, wide receivers, right? Like Juju Smith-Schuster, we have Nelson Aguilar, all these guys who've come out who are who are playing well in the league now, who went to USC and didn't really have that great of a quarterback, but still was able to put up a bunch of stats and 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 become good, dra- you know, draft prospects. They all went to USC, so they have no problem recruiting skill players in terms of running backs and wide receivers and stuff like that. But and and they've still had some, you know, okay quarterbacks. None of them really have have panned out in terms of NFL, you know, talent. But um, but I think what, what Lincoln Riley is really going to need to do, and I think again, he's he's totally competent enough to be able to do this, is get the trenches figured out. Offense and defensive line is where USC has really really struggled in the last you know five to five to six seven years. And so as long as he can recruit that type of talent um, and and really focus there, he's he already has all of the talent that wanted to go to Oklahoma being like, okay, well, so I'm going to give up my entire life and go to Oklahoma to play football. Well, sure. You're guaranteed to win a Heisman basically, right? You're guaranteed a playoff berth because of how well that he's, he's, his system has run in Oklahoma. If you don't even have to, if you're basically the argument there is like, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving home, leaving everything behind to go pursue my football career and make, you know, a living out of going to the NFL and being playing football. If you don't even have to leave home, what's the argument there? You're definitely going to stay in California. And I think that, he, he just just the name brand that he has and the power that that is so, so associated with that. Um, he will really be able to build a dynasty there, I, I believe. And I don't even think it's going to it, I don't even think it's going to take that long. Um, they even had a good recruiting class. Clay Helton. Yeah, he got fired halfway through the season, but he brought in like the, a top 10 recruiting class and wasn't even really a big name. Um, and so and so. Right. So just the inherent talent that you, that you have in the state and the fact that Lincoln Riley is such a big name and, and, and leaving the program. I think is, is, is totally fine. Um, and then obviously the other big hire was, was Brian Kelly going to LSU. He left Notre Dame. And most of that was because, um, you know, I mean, it was, some of it was money, but it was also, he had, you know, produced some really, really good teams at Notre Dame. They made the playoff three times and they gotten crushed in the first game all three times, but he'd had a lot of successful seasons. Um, I think he only had one losing season. It was a four and eight year and people were calling for his job. And then since that year, he went like 55 and four at, at Notre Dame. And it's been a, it's been a really great run for him. And he's, a, he's a really great coach. Um, but you could tell that he wanted to leave because to a certain extent, your success at Notre Dame is limited by the fact that by the restrictions and, and, and guidelines that the school places on, you know, academic success, right? And so the guys that he's recruiting at Notre Dame are not going to be the same guys that he's going to be able to recruit at an LSU, um, simply because the, the grades don't really matter as much. You can just get great football players instead of getting great football players who also are, are super smart and, and, and have to, you know, go out of their classes every day and everything like that, like, He's going to have a ball recruiting, you know, in the state of Louisiana and in the SEC. Um, and I think by the fact that we've seen the last three coaches that LSU has had has won, they've all won national championships and they haven't even been really that great of coaches. Like Les Miles wasn't that great of a coach. He won a national championship. Ed Ogeron was only there for a couple of years and, and, and he wasn't by any means, you know, a great X's and O's coach. He won a national championship. And so now that we have, we do have a great X's and O's coach, a great recruiter in chip in, uh, in Brian Kelly, who's been able to, you know, establish such a, such a great and solid team at Notre Dame, a school that that requires a lot of out of its academics when it comes to recruiting student athletes. Now, Brian Kelly's going to be at this place that really doesn't, doesn't really that matter that much. He's a great X and O's coach. He'll bring in great recruiting. Um, I think this is a slam dunk for LSU as a hire. And, and I think that it'll work out for both sides. And so really kind of the, the overarching point here is like, is it fair of these coaches to just be like, and again, we say this all the time, right? Is it fair of these coaches to just be like, all right, guys, you know, bring the team together and be like, so yeah, I recruited you, you know, I've been behind you this whole time and uh, now I'm peacing out and they don't hear from them again. I think it's unfair. It's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough situation that you're putting the players in, but it's like at the end of the day, you got to do, I, I think that as a coach, like you kind of have to do what's best for you. And that's just kind of like the, again, the, the, the inequity that we have here within the NCAA and how they kind of are dealing with their coaches and stuff. And so Sure, like Oklahoma can write traders on the walls and, and Notre Dame can be all mad at, at Brian Kelly for leaving. But like in reality, the other thing is they are going to have success at USC and LSU respectively. Like so it, it's not even really like they're they're 
they're leaving their like hometown, like, oh my gosh, how are you going to do this? Like Oklahoma and, and Notre Dame just aren't as good of jobs as LSU and USC. So I think that's kind of the overarching point here is like, they're, they're making these moves as a business decision and they're getting paid a ton of money to do so. Um, and, and if that means that they're going to have a chance to win national championships because neither of them have, that's what they're going to have to do. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it was interesting what you said about Notre Dame being like a whole different ball game when it comes to coaching and recruiting players because they do have such high standards. But it's all, I think it's also, I think it's also a tribute to his career there that like they, again, they're not in the conference. And so they're kind of already at a disadvantage now with the, now that we're in the college football playoff era, they're not in a conference. And so basically like, you know, this weekend, who's missing in the, in the, you know, in the top 10 teams that aren't playing, it's Notre Dame. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like Notre Dame's not playing today. And I feel like that's just kind of, it, it's, it feels like we're missing something, but it happens every year on college. I mean, on, on conference championship weekend because they're not in the conference. And so like, Brian Kelly, again, going to a school where they can compete for a conference championship and they, that gives them a whole different dimension of merit for, for, for the college football champ for a college football playoff. I think that's huge for him because again, like, like Matt said, you know, you're at Notre Dame, but it, it almost just kind of gets boring. You know, it's just like, you're at a prestigious school where the football team is weirdly good and you go, you know, you probably lose like one, two games a year and that's great for your resume. But again, like you're, you know, it's really tough to, to compete for a championship because even if you do get into the playoff, you're probably not going to beat, you know, the number one team or the number two team because you don't really play anybody during the season. That's good. You know, you don't have any in-conference play. You don't have any games that are, that mean a lot to your schedule. It's kind of just like, oh, okay. Yeah. We're playing, you know, we play Wisconsin one week nice and then you kind of go back to playing some like random team from the you know sunbelt or something so it's 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 weird in that sense but again like brian kelly it's 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 that's an incentive for him is to go to a place where you can be a contender and where you can have you know more meaning to to your job i don't know if that's you know i don't know if that's just me that thinks that thinks that that's kind of the vibe that i'm getting but yeah that's i mean that's one thing for me but again we've got Billy Napier to Florida, that's kind of big because, you know, Louisiana and Lafayette, they're, they're in the Sun Belt Conference. Um, like I said, they're playing today. And so he, right, it's kind of one of those things where like, okay, you've got this, in, you've got this story in the news. He's going to Florida and, you know, he's leaving this kind of smaller school for a huge upscale school in the SEC, you know, University of Florida, one of the big time schools um, historically in college football. And so, it's just, it's, you know, it's one of those situations where you have to tell your players or you have to let them find out, okay, I'm, you know, I'm moving, but we still got to win this conference championship and we still got to win our bowl game. And it's, it's a really tough dynamic there because again, that that's something that happened with, with Notre Dame too. Notre Dame, actually, I was, I was looking into this and I think, I think one of my buddies showed it to me on Twitter. I think it was AZ showed it to me on Twitter and he actually, he sent a text out to his players that, because the news came out before Brian Kelly could talk to his players. And so he actually sent a text out in in like their group me group chat and basically just said, you know, he he said a bunch of nice things, but he basically just said, you guys have heard the news. I'm sorry that you guys had to find out this way, but I'll talk about it more in our seven o'clock meeting tomorrow morning. See you there. Like it was, it was very, you know, again, he said some nice things, you know, that they've played their hearts out and that he's loved coaching them. But again, it's just like the players find that out and then, you know, they're, they're kind of just devastated. Now we did see that. I don't know if anybody else saw that video of the, um, of the Notre Dame defensive coordinator getting introduced. Yeah. Yeah. Getting introduced to the team. That was hype, dude. That got me, that got me really hyped. And it looked it looked like the players were in favor of that. Like they, you know, maybe it was just because they finally had some sort, you know, some sense of identity, again but it's just like dude they seemed to back him up really really good and so hopefully that they hopefully they can you know whatever happens with them in the playoff or bowl game or whatever we know that they're going to be in a new year six bowl game possibly the rose bowl if they don't if they get you know kicked out of the the playoff like just by one place or whatever they might be in the rose bowl so we already know we already know that utah is in the in the rose bowl which was crazy again we had that conference championship last night utah's on the rose bowl now because again they 
dude, I don't know what it is about Oregon and Utah. Like Matt and Matt, Matt called it that first time, but then he said, okay, I think Oregon's going to take this one, come back. But dude, like I checked the score yesterday. I wasn't watching it. Cause I went, I, I was somewhere else, but I checked the score and I was like, oh yeah, Oregon's probably going to be winning or it might be close, but Oregon's probably, it was like 38 to or 36 to three or something like that. And I was like, dude, what is it? What is with Utah? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that, that's exciting for them, but yeah, just kind of getting back to the whole Billy Napier situation. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a smaller school. And again, for him, great. Like it, that's going to, that's going to boost his career so much. And so, you know, we, it, it's sad for Louisiana Lafayette, but again, it's just, it's just something that happens. Like it's become, it's become the norm in college football. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but just to run through the other quick ones here, um, Virginia tech hired the Penn state defensive coordinator, um, which again, I, you know, that was interesting. Cause I thought that they would at least get, they would look at ba- Billy Napier, but obviously Billy Napier is going to choose the university of Florida over, over Virginia tech. Um, and then, and then Jamie Chadwell as well, who's, who's the coach of coast coastal Carolina. Um, but no, they went with the Penn State defense coordinator. That's, you know, if that's what they think is the best option, that's 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 good for them. Uh, and then James Franklin, obviously, yeah, James Franklin staying at Penn State and then Mel Tucker staying at Michigan State. Um, each of them are getting paid boatloads of money. So so why would you, you know, why would you leave? Um, and so here's where I kind of want to get into. And again, I, I'm going to do at some point, probably in the off season, maybe in the spring or summer of next year, I'm going to do a, a, maybe even a series. We could make this into a series even of, basically just explaining the inequity in NCAA athletics across the board. Um, obviously it's, it's more perpetuated in basketball and football because those are the, the, the biggest money makers. but um, basically it, yeah, it, it, it's completely unfair and it's, and it's, and it's unfair towards the players uh, who, who are not benefiting at all from everything that they're doing. And, and obviously we saw the name image and likeness deal, you know, get passed and that's a good start. But again, it's like, that's that has nothing to do with the inequity that's created with the NCAA, right? The NCAA is not giving the players money based on their name, image, and likeness. Um, it's 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 the opportunity for the players to to make brand deals with sponsors, right? With other companies who are already established. The NCAA is not giving up any of their money yet, and so that's kind of really what I'm going to get at with that. Um, but right now, let's just talk about the coaching kind of part of this and, and how that's obviously created a lot of a lot of inequity. So. Mel Tucker, James Franklin, uh, Brian Kelly, and Lincoln Riley, the, the four probably biggest coaches who just got deals within the last two weeks, are all going to make their contracts are all over $100 million in total. And a lot of them are like 10 years. And so, yeah. So, but they're making $10 million a year to coach football. And it's, again, it's a, it, it, with, when the, the amount of money that the schools make, if the team wins, like it, it, it makes sense that, yes, that they, they, you know, they should be paid a lot. I get it. But here, just for example, right? Let's let's look at Lincoln Riley's situation because I think his is the most. It, it's absolutely crazy, and Hayden's probably going to be like, "Oh my god!" Unless uh, unless he's looked at it. But here's what Lincoln Riley got for moving from Oklahoma to USC. Lincoln Riley has two houses in Oklahoma. USC paid for both of them in full and paid for both of them five hundred thousand dollars above what the market price was. Okay, so they bought both of his houses and paid five hundred thousand above what the market price was. Secondly, he they bought him a six and a half million dollar mansion in L.A. He doesn't have to pay for any of that. Thirdly, he has twenty four seven access to a private jet provided by USC. Okay. And on top of that, he's making $110 million in his contract. That is insane. Right. And so obviously now that we kind of are circling back to here, it's like, why would you leave Oklahoma? You've done so well at Oklahoma. Well, dude, if you were offered a private jet, like, you know, a six and a half million dollar mansion paying for both of your houses completely, like, of course you would take that. Um, But it's like, that's how much money the schools have to blow on, on hiring a new coach. And I get it. You got to do all that you can to get this coach. If that means that he's going to bring you national championships, I totally understand it from the school's perspective, but it's like, this is so much money they're paying for a coach. And then they go behind and they say, Oh, well, there's no money for the students. There's no money for the students. What are you talking about with all the money that you're spending on the coaches, with all the money that you're spending on facilities and, and, and everything that goes on with that equipment and everything like that. You can't say that there's no money for the students when you're paying 
literally hundreds of millions of dollars to this one guy to coach your football team. So, so again, that just, I think is a very small snapshot and I'm not going to, you know, get too, too deep into this, but a very small snap snapshot into the inequity that's, that's just inherent in, in, in college sports, especially college football with the, with, with how big name the coaches are and, 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 and everything that they get that comes along with, with being hired at a big place like this. And again, it makes total sense for the schools to pay all that money for the coaches because they're going to win national championships. It makes complete sense for the coaches to want to go there to accept that job because they're going to get paid a lot of money and they have a way better opportunity to win national championship championships than they did at their current school but it's just it's so it's so backwards the way that these coaches are getting paid and the schools are just shelling out money to these coaches and then they just turn around turn their cheek and say oh yeah there's no money for the players sorry yeah exactly and kind of matt covered a lot of that and again that did surprise me if you guys heard some of my reactions there. That that's crazy about Lincoln Riley. I didn't even know that, dude. That's that's literally like that is the peak of celebrity. Like, dude, if you're having everything paid for, like it's you're a college football head coach. You you literally like if you think about it, not to kind of downplay college football or the sport in general, but like you're literally telling kids what to do on a field. Like it's, and you know, again, like there's a lot more that goes into being a head coach. You got recruiting, you've got, you know, you got to deal with athletic director and, you know, athletic, whatever, like anything to do with that. Right. But essentially like the bulk of your job is making sure that these kids go out there and perform well on a weekly basis. Let me just put in, in, in perspective for you. The average NFL head coach salary, I think last year was like, under 10 million. So a lot of, a lot of these um, 10 million per year, I mean, and so a lot of these college coaches that, you know, obviously the, the, the better coaches in the NFL and the more consistent coaches in the NFL are going to make more. And so I think, you know, Bill Belichick made like 10 million, I think last year. And, you know, there are a couple of, co- I think Pete, Pete Carroll may, he may make like 14 million or something I think I saw but I mean in general like the average again is, is is under 10 million and we're seeing that a lot of these high up college coaches are making that to coach college kids and it's just like you know it's a whole we know that the NFL is a whole different level and you know we've we've also talked about previously on the podcast that NFL coaches don't really have much of a they don't have a responsibility in terms of recruiting as much because they have scouts and everybody else to do that but again like it's you know it's a professional level and these college coaches are making pretty much the same if not more and so yeah it's, it's just crazy to put it in that perspective and kind of see how how important these guys are and again like their their annual salaries are just this you know just a smidget of what they're actually getting from the from the universities so moving on here to the next segment kind of, 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 of our talk is Jim Harbaugh. And I, and I mentioned this at the, at the beginning of the episode that we would be talking about Jim Harbaugh. And so we've talked about him in the past and you guys know, I'm not the biggest fan of him because, you know, he kind of talks to talk, but doesn't, hasn't walked the walk recently. And so the thing is that, right. The reality they beat, they beat Ohio state and everybody, they shocked the world basically. And the way that they did that was they took away the Ohio state passing game. Well, the weather took it away. Really. They didn't really take it away, but right. Ohio state wasn't really able to utilize their weapons and their weapons are, you know, big downfield plays. And so Michigan was able to do that and they beat Ohio state. And so now they're in the big 10 championship playing against Iowa today. And nobody expected that like absolutely nobody. And everybody expected the Ohio state just to kind of run through the big 10 make it to the playoff and, you know, face off in a championship against, against Georgia. And so now that Michigan has taken the number two spot in the playoff, it's just like, well, John, Jim Harbaugh is finally doing something there. He finally has won, you know, a conference championship. They haven't, they haven't won a conference. They haven't won the big 10 since 2004. I saw that earlier today. It's like, that's surprising, dude. I mean, yeah, they've had some bad seasons recently, but it's like, I thought that they've, you know, I feel like I remember them winning like one when I was little, but they haven't won the Big Ten since they were, since 2004. And so it's just, you know, it kind of puts that in perspective. Like, again, Jim Harbaugh hasn't really done much. Now, he, you know, if you look at, look at it from an, an, an objective standpoint, I think he's he's four, he was 49 and 22 before this season. So in his first five seasons, I'm pretty sure he was 
49 and 22, which again, objectively, that's a pretty good record. Like that's, you know, it's, it's not bad, but if we're looking at it from a standpoint of where Michigan should be, that's not very good. And we've seen, again, we went over that. He's only, I think he's, you know, he's like, I don't know if it's him or James Franklin. That's Owen 13 against top 10 teams. Is it, is it him? Um, I think, yeah, I think it was him. Yeah. Owen 13 or Owen 12 or something like that. Yeah. So basically he hasn't been good against top 10 teams and he, you know, hasn't really taken the program where, where, where it's supposed to go. And, but he's finally won this, you know, won the big 10, won the big 10 championship and he's, he's, he's finally here. So my question is like, I'm going to hand it over to Matt here, but I'm going to ask him this question first is, you know, did it really take five dread, dreaded years at Michigan for him to finally show us that he's the real deal. And, you know, if we're kind of, you know, going away from that, how is, how is that really like unfair to other college coaches and, in, in, in college football? Because like, other college coaches we've seen have just been kicked out, you know, one or two years if they're not doing well. So, yeah, he was, I think they, they believed in him, right? I mean, that's really the only answer to this is yes, it took five years to get Michigan to where it is now. Um, But to be honest, like when he got hired, they weren't really in any close position to be winning the big 10 at all. And now, you know, now we see what he's done. So I think that this is the way that you're supposed to, do it in college football. If you're an administration, like, yes, I get it. You know, you, you want success immediately, but it's especially with college. And we've talked about this before, like every coach has a different system. They have a different recruiting system. They have a different offense and they have a different defense. And so they are going to recruit players that fit their system more so than just be like, okay, well, whatever players I have right now, I'm going to win all my games with them. You can't do that, especially in college football. So they Michigan waited. Right. And they said, all right, look, we're going to give you your time. We're going to give you an extension and, 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 you know, hope it works out. And so, and I mean, he's been making over $10 million for, for years now. So, I mean, you know, there's that, but, um, but right. You're right. I mean, he, he was successful in the NFL. He took his team to a Super Bowl. Like clearly he's a good coach. Um, and, and when he got there, you know, there's the stories of like him sleeping over at the kicker's house just to recruit a kicker. Like, you know, he, he was going in all in for recruiting. So, we saw that the, the steps were there and he's a, he's a good X and O's coach. He's a good recruiter. And so it, right. It was really was just a matter of time until he was able to, you know, to fit, to, to figure things out. And I do think that to a certain extent, this game against Ohio state was really the, the make or break point as it, as it pertains to his success at Michigan and how we're going to view it. Um, because Michigan had lost to Ohio state eight straight times before this year. And, and, you know, obviously five of those were, were, were coached by, by John Harbaugh or uh, Jim Harbaugh. And he, yeah, he wasn't able to do anything. So, so I think now we see that, that the, you know, essentially Michigan just trusted the process and here we are uh, and, and we see the success that they've had. So I do think that it was a good decision by them to wait on it. And, and now going forward, now that people are seeing what Michigan has done and now that they've finally beaten Ohio state, they're going to be able to get even more recruits. Um, you know, the, the defense has been, has been stout. And, and again, you know, both of the running backs, Blake Quorum and, and Hassan Haskins are, are, are have been amazing. Um, Cade McNamara, Canada, you know, he, he started out a little bit slow. He's, he's playing really well now. They're, they're, they're a quarterback. Um, and so, right. And so now that they've established this, and especially if they win the game today and they are in, they're end up in the playoffs, you know, no matter how badly they lose, it, it, maybe if they win the whole thing, um, it, it's a really great, it's a really great kind of marketing exercise for Michigan too to be like, Hey, we're back on the map. Um, and so that leads into the question, you know, that Hayden asked, which is right. How is this unfair to other coaches in college football? Because we've seen how much it, it takes for you to be successful at a, at a program so quickly just to, you know, be fired so, so quickly after that. And it's like, you know, if you're, if you're not bringing a national championship, then you need to be gone. Um, and, and I think that that's the wrong way to approach it. But again, with the fans and the boosters and everything, all the pressure behind your back, it's like, if they want someone out, you, you know, if you're, you can't really just tell them to trust the process until hopefully someone does. Okay. Uh, you know, for a couple of years there. So um, I think it's the big name. Jim Harbaugh, obviously, uh, you know, it, it's these these guys who are kind of coming up from smaller colleges. They're not going to get a big, a, a big, as long of a chance as a guy who's already proven himself in the NFL and taken a team to the Super Bowl. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, and so and so. Right. So I think that Michigan did the, did the right thing in trusting the process. And with these smaller guys, these smaller head coaches that, that come from these these, uh, you know, these lesser known teams, 
they need to prove themselves faster because right. If they're not the right man for the job, you can't just be sitting on the sidelines and, and, and be tanking basically, you know, for, for a while here. So that's, I think the story, that's really what happened here. Um, and, and again, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a little bit unfortunate for the smaller coaches who really don't have enough time, but at the same time, like, have they really taken an NFL team to Super Bowl? No. Uh, and so we kind of know what's been established with Jim Harbaugh. As long as you give him a chance, he'll, he'll really propel his team. And so that's what he's done. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I'd like to hear Hayden, Hayden's kind of perspective on this uh, on this topic yeah for sure and I Matt most covered most of it but I kind of one of the things that he said kind of sparked a little light bulb in my head and that was that was the fact that like again the you know Jim Harbaugh he started out his career in college like 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 most of um, NFL coaches do and really football coaches in general a lot of them do so he started out his, his career in college and then he moved obviously to the NFL and the NFL team that he coached before Michigan, the 49ers. And he coached there for, I think like six ish years. And that's when he went to Michigan. And again, we have to think about the differences in head coaching jobs in the NFL and in college football. And that's again, like making that jump from being an NFL coach where really all you're doing like NFL coaching again, it's not so simple, but it really is like you're, you're drawn up plays. You've got an offensive and an offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator usually. And you're basically just telling them you're kind of guiding the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinators into what, what kind of scheme that you want to see. And then you kind of let them take it away. And then you kind of just deal with all the logistical things with the, with the, with the general manager and everything. Again, you're the head coach of the team. So you've got a lot of responsibility, but yeah, you don't have to do recruiting or anything like that in the NFL. But when you go to college, that's what you have to do. And so like Jim Harbaugh, again, yes, he, he, he had college coaching jobs before the NFL, but he probably he had to get used to, you know, that whole, that whole realm of recruiting and everything again. And like Matt said, he's a big name. So they, they kind of let him, you know, test the waters a little bit, but I think that they give, you know, it's something that you should, take into mind when you're hiring a coach out of the NFL. Um, we don't see that much nowadays. We don't see a, a, an NFL coach really go down to college much, but again, like that's something that you have to consider is like, okay, well, he's kind of new to this again. And we, we got to let him, you know, get used to it because it's a whole, whole different, whole different ball game, pretty much coaching in college. So that's kind of just my, my thoughts on it. Like I said, Matt covered most of it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just going to let Matt kind of go into our next topic here. Yep. The next topic is we're going to look big picture now. Um, we've talked about all the hires. We've talked about, you know, a little bit smaller, a little niche stuff with, with Michigan specifically. Let's look big, big picture here. Um, and this is, again, around the idea of hiring coaches, firing coaches, who's where, you know, what, what we're doing next, uh, you know, who's making moves, that type of stuff. So to a certain extent, only the top jobs like USC, like LSU, will be able to get the top proven guys, the best coaches in the sport. We saw that, right? Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly were two of the best coaches in the game. They both left really good programs to go to even better programs like USC and LSU. But for these schools, these other schools who are hiring essentially no-name coaches, right? I mean, Florida hired Billy Napier. He's the coach of Louisiana Lafayette. Like Florida is a national powerhouse, historically one of the best teams in college football. And they're hiring a guy who coached at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, and so, and so the, the kind of the point here is like for these other schools who are, who are hiring these no-name coaches, what makes the schools think that these guys will do any better than the guys before them? And so you run into the situation where it's like, what's the point of firing a solid head coach who's done well, but maybe not the best, maybe not lived up to the, to, to, to you know, the greatest of expectations. Um, but what's the point of firing them just to say you did it, just to say you fired it because whether it was the boosters or the fans or whoever was upset about it, um, you know, okay, we said we fired it, but really all this does is just create a constant cycle uh, of res reshuffling where you're moving from a coach who was pretty solid, successful, you know, pretty good uh, to a coach who really hasn't even had a chance to coach at such a high level before. Um, you know, they, they might be good. They might be not. If, if they're not that great, give them three years, you're firing them again. Right. And so it's just like this constant negative, you know, cycle of if a team or if a coach isn't good enough quickly. And this is a lot of what we've kind of talked about right before with, with John Jim Harbaugh is Michigan gave them time and, and look what they're at, look where they're at right now. Um, but, but right. So I essentially kind of, this is the question here is like, what, what's the point of firing these solid coaches just to say you did it uh, when all it does is create a constant cycle of reshuffling. 
Yeah. So I think, I think it's, it's a tough question to answer. And again, I kind of looking at it, I was, I was for the first time, I was a little bit puzzled and I was like, well, yeah, that's kind of true. I feel like this question is kind of leading me into a trap, but I thought about it harder. And, you know, I think it's the, the better answer to this question would be that like guys who are coaches for football teams, right? Like they're, they're technically all in the same college. You know, if you're a division one coach, you're a division one coach and there are better coaches and there are worse coaches. But again, like we have to look at the, at the team itself and say, okay, well, you know, Louisiana Lafayette, like they're not looked at as a good team because they're in the Sun Belt conference. So like that doesn't have anything to do with the coach. It has something to do with where their position in the NCAA. And so like, again, they've, you know, they've got 11 and one this year. And so he's obviously doing a great job there and right, we won't know. We don't know how he's going to do at a big program like Florida, who has this great reputation and everything like that. But it's like these these guys. I mean, they know football. They he knows that you know he knows the whole the whole college football scheme of recruiting and everything. He knows how to be a head coach in college football. And so I think like if we're if we're going to give a reason for big schools to hire um, guys from little schools, it's really that like. Okay, if you put if you put your trust in a guy that has experience in college football, regardless of you know you know regardless of the team, as long as it's Division One and as long as it's you know a team that's done well and a, a guy that's shown that he can handle a program well, like why not go out and you know and and maybe you know take a chance on a guy because again, like if you're staying with if you're staying with Dan Mullen who has didn't really do that much of Florida, right? Like they they were much better before him. If you're, if you're staying with, you know, a guy like Dan Mullen, you're kind of getting complacent. And so it's kind of taking a risk, but at the same time, it's like, that's kind of what you need in college football is to go out and take a risk. Michigan was taking a risk by keeping John, Jim Harbaugh there. So I think, yeah, I, I really think that it's all about risks in this, you know, in this context. And it's like, again, if you're, if you're, if you're hiring a coach that knows what he's doing at a different program, even if it's a smaller program, he still knows the system and he knows how to, how to coach a college football team. And so, you know, why not give him a shot and, you know, boost his career in, in, in that way? Yeah, I think that's a great answer. And, and really, you know, in, in asking that question, that was kind of almost, uh, it, it was almost designed to trick you, right? Because it's, when you think about it, right, it doesn't really make any sense. And I wasn't even necessarily looking for an answer. I guess I was more so just trying to point out the fact that, right, the, these these big schools who are historically great teams, you know, they're they're like, okay, we're gonna fire our coach. Who wants to come to Florida to coach? Right? We're these big bad guys. Like we're gonna, and it's like, well, who who do you expect to get? Like, there's not that yeah. many guys out there to to even you know that are even really willing to to step up to that that big of a job. And 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 so and so it's almost like it's almost like they uh, what's what's the saying? It's like they're they're running before they can crawl or whatever where it's like you know we're just gonna we're just gonna shoot now and, and aim oh that's what it is shoot now and aim later right where you're just like they're like okay i'm gonna fire my coach and uh so who are we gonna hire oh wait there's absolutely nobody out there for us to hire that's a good name that's been a solid coach at other places oh well uh okay so now we're gonna introduce this guy that nobody's ever heard of and you know again i, I think that hayden's right though to a certain extent you never really know how good a coach is going to be just based on what they've done before. And, and, and two, right. You know, if you're able to lead a, a smaller program to success, especially when you turn around a program, I think that's a good sign really of how you're going to be able to translate that success in just kind of on a bigger scale. Um, but I just do think it, it is still funny how the, the kind of the, the, the situation that we end up with here. And I think a good example of this is Virginia tech, right? So, so after Frank Beamer left, I mean, he'd been there for 30, years he was he was a legendary coach one of the best you know to ever to ever coach college football um once he left it was like it was one of those situations where kind of what basically what you know the Patriots gonna end up with when when Bill Belichick leaves is like you're not going to replace this guy so we just have to move on to a different era that's that's how that's kind of the the you know the 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 length of which it went to uh, with with Virginia Tech after Frank Beamer left and so who they you know kind of was like who they go after all right well they hired Justin Fuente who was the pre he had previously coached at Memphis and Memphis has been good for you know I'd say probably you know five to ten years about that time 
And I don't, I don't remember exactly how long that Justin Fuente was at Memphis, but he coached a lot of good quarterbacks. Um, Paxton Lynch is, is one that comes to mind. A bunch of these running backs, Antonio Gibson, um, all these guys who are in the NFL right now who, who, you know, who are doing pretty solid. Justin Fuente coached them, and he had a great offense going at Memphis, and they were winning you know, 9, 10 games every year and, and, and getting to good bowl games. They were in the running for the AAC championship pretty much every year that he was there. So he was a good guy to hire, right? But we see – and again, I don't, I don't know exactly how long that he was in, he was in, a, he was even at tech, I think probably four or five years and just was never really able to do anything there. Um, and, and apparently a lot of it was a culture thing They, you know, you, you kind of heard stories coming out that the players just didn't really like the way that he, that he had things going and whatnot. And again, you can't always expect this is again, to kind of go back to what Hayden said, like you can't really expect everybody to be successful at a different place. Um, but it's always kind of worth taking the chance on it because you, you may end up with a diamond in the rough here. Um, but to kind of transition to where we're going at now, right? So we see almost this decline. And I think Virginia Tech's a good example of this is like, they had Frank Beamer. He was a legend. All right, cool. Who are you going to get after that? You're going to go after Justin Fuente. He's a solid coach. He's a great, you know, group of five coach. He gets there. He's not that great. Hasn't really had a lot of success. Okay, we're going to fire Justin Fuente. Who are we going to go after? Virginia Tech. And obviously Virginia Tech is not, you know, one of these historical powerhouse schools, but has had a lot of success in the past obviously under Frank Beamer, right? And, and so we see a decline from Frank Beamer to Justin Fuente. Justin Fuente gets fired. Who do we see coming next? The Penn State defensive coordinator. Again, I apologize, I don't have his name, but it's like another step down. And so I feel like that's essentially the, the kind of cycle that we're getting onto here is like, once a coach gets fired, it's a big deal at these big schools. Who are we going to get next? Oh, we're not going to really even get a make a lateral move. We're not going to hire someone who was doing well at a school that's just as good as, as us. We're, we're really we don't have any options so we're just going to hire this other guy and so again I do think that too there is there's a lot of scarcity when it comes to the the availability of a really solid coach who's done well at a solid program right um and so and that goes back to Hayden's point you know you kind of got to take chances on people but to this you know to a certain extent it's like how long are we going to keep doing this where and this even gets to the question that we were talking about before with Jim Harbaugh's like how long are we going to go until we kind of realize like nobody is none of these schools are really giving these coaches enough time to even get their feet on the ground, much less actually establish their system, recruit their guys and bring success to these programs. They don't even have a chance to do that before they get fired. And they're moving on to the next guy who isn't really necessarily as qualified as the original guy who was coaching the team. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great point. And again, that kind of just ties all these topics together into one and, you know, pointing out these general, these, more general issues in college football in terms of just head coaching is, is, is great to do because right. Like we, you know, we see this time after time and it's just like, it's, it's a little bit confusing to us, but again, like there's, when, when you look at it from, you know, uh, a logistical, a logistical standpoint, if you fire a head coach, that's been so good. Like you don't really have anywhere to go after that. And it's just kind of, again, like you have to take, take a step down and it may not make sense, but what are you going to do? Just, you know, fire your head coach or, or let him leave and then just not hire another head coach, you know? So it's just like, you know, we, we compare a lot of these guys, but again, like if they have experience, like I said earlier, if they have experience and, you know, if they've, if they've shown that they can do something at another school at, an, at another program, like Matt said, if they, if they've shown that they can turn a program around, even though might be a no-name guy they you know that that's a really good sign and they could become you know a bigger name guy instead of just remaining a no-name guy that coaches at a bunch of you know no-name schools but yeah so basically if Matt has nothing else to say um that's 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 basically just going to wrap up our show again really excited for these afternoon games that are coming on pretty much right now um I think Alabama plays at four or four thirty or something like that which is kind of weird. I don't know. It's, it's usually, it usually goes 12 and then three 30 and then seven 30, but again, Alabama's or sec is weird, but yeah, that Georgia Alabama game is basically like the biggest, the biggest um, determining factor in terms of what everything, what, what happens with everything else. And like, like we said, you know, Baylor beating Oklahoma state, like that's, that's pretty crazy because oh. As uh, as you mentioned that, I'm actually I've been watching the game the entire time that we've been recording this. Oklahoma State has fourth and goal at the one yard line, and they're about to score and win the. Oh, okay. So he dove at the end zone and didn't make it. They're gonna review it, but I don't even know. It's like 
this is happening right before my eyes. I don't even know like how we're going to deal with this. So it looks like Baylor got the stop. There's 24 seconds left. They, they just got stopped at fourth and goal on the one yard line. Um, he dove for the end zone. It looked like he fumbled it a little bit. He might've hit the pylon. They're going to do a bunch of reviews of this, but I think Baylor held on. He's they're doing the replay now. And he looks like he didn't get there. So, wow. So Oklahoma state was literally, it's going to, and this is what the news stories are going to be like. Oklahoma oh, state was probably three inches away from winning the big 12 and, and clinching a berth in the college football playoff. And instead Baylor got the win and, uh, and win the, won the big 12 and now pretty much Cincinnati. And then this leaves the door wide open for Notre Dame too. Um, so going to be really interesting to see what happens here once we get into, you know, into next, to tomorrow, Sunday, when they def- uh, decide the four teams. Yeah, that's crazy. Dude, it, it, Tuesday is going to be so much fun to, to talk about. Cause again, like Matt said, we we're actually getting the, the college football playoff rankings two days earlier than we usually do, which is crazy. Like it's, you know, it's the most important. Well, I, I guess it's, I guess it's probably easier. Like this is probably one of the easiest weeks to decide who gets in and who gets out. Because again, you got conference championships to help you decide and everything like that. So it's actually probably the easiest week, but again, like you're deciding each team's fate and you're deciding like who will actually get to play in the playoff. And so in that sense, it's like, it means so much more, but Right. We get the we get the the rankings on on Sunday, which is which is great. So we'll have those rankings. And that's kind of sad for us because we usually do our episode on Tuesday right after the rankings come out. And so we're kind of like, you know, the kind of your the the first thing that you hear after 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 getting those rankings. But we might not be that this week. But again, we'll we'll go over it on, on Tuesday, along with some more NFL and probably i don't know i haven't really thought of a holiday segment but it is it is technically the week for a holiday segment for or a fun segment but i'll i don't know i'll, I'll see what we can come up with um, we're also we, talking we about the just, mlb lockout Woo! yeah Big we, news, we do have that we do have we do have that but that's like <laughs> nobody wants to hear about that. hey dude this is my stuff all right dude. i'm giving it we're giving it to the people Okay, yeah, Matt, but just because just because Matt's interested in it doesn't mean that everybody Lock else out. Is, because we know that Matt's just the biggest nerd for this kind of stuff. It's Here like we who go. wants to hear about the, oh my gosh. But yeah, we, we can also get into that. I was actually I saw that this week and I was considering it. I was like, uh, oh, maybe we can throw that in there. You know, I, I didn't want to have to talk about MLB until until uh next year. <laughs> but there's there's a lot. There is a lot with this. And and the MLB is almost like the NCAA at this point, treating their the minor league players like crap. And then you know with, with the there's no salary cap but the luxury tax, believe me. We I, I will I will if we will decide to make that a topic, I will cover it in depth. You will understand everything that's going on and 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 and, and that's what you come here for. All right. Well I will definitely try to think of a of, of a holiday or a fun segment for next episode because again it's it is our week for that coming up but yeah i hope you guys enjoyed our episode today we obviously did and we look forward to seeing you guys on tuesday thank you so much for listening we'll see you next time